Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, 21 days with Daniel, 21 days walking through Daniel's journey. Why did I choose this? I'm revisiting the book of Daniel with some new information for us. I really believe that Daniel's journey through the book we read, through Daniel's life experience in Babylon, uh, parallels where we are in America today. I believe what we learn there, what we glean from this, you can apply it at this moment. You can apply it when you go to work tomorrow, or we got a day off celebrating uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and, and, and worthy celebration. But when you go back to work and or school on Tuesday, uh, these principles will work there. They'll go home with you and work. And I continue just to be impacted, and I'm challenged when I look at Daniel's life. This young man, probably in his very late teens or early 20s, uh, taken to Babylon because Jerusalem and Israel fell for the first time to a foreign army. The nation had sinned and rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. Prophet after prophet had come and told them to turn to God, and they refused to do it. And finally, God could no longer protect them. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, invaded Israel and Jerusalem, destroyed the city, ransacked the temple of God, and took thousands of slaves back to Babylon. Daniel was one of those. Daniel was a very intelligent man. He was from a royal family. Uh, his future was bright, and that was gone instantly. But he was so distinguished by his character that they said, we need to train this young man to serve the king. So Daniel was quite an impactful man. We want to learn from that. Here's what I want you to think about with me today while we're in this Daniel fast. Think of this. Daniel's determination and Daniel's courage to serve his God, to, to fast and pray during that time so that he would stay on track. Think of that. That's impacting us today. Hundreds of thousands of Christians over the years have done a Daniel fast. It's amazing the influence of one man. Think of that today. What you and I are doing on the seventh day of our 21-day Daniel fast, we're doing something that, that Christians have been doing for generations, that, that hundreds of thousands are doing right now. It's interesting to me. Nobody told us to do it. There was no, there's no scripture that says you have to do this. It's come out of a passion. For the church to be everything God wants us to be. How many want to be everything God wants you to be? I do. I want to be right on track. How many of us understand that the culture we're living in in America today is very much like a Babylonian culture that Daniel was in? What was a Babylonian culture? It was this three things. The pride of man, false religion, and rebellion against God. The pride of man, false religion, and rebellion against God. It started back when the Tower of Babel was, was attempted to be erected in Genesis 11. And here we find the same principles we're dealing with. So you and I, I'm, I want to encourage you, Calvary family, we're connected to a movement of, of believers around this world today. By praying and fasting, we're saying, I believe that the God of Daniel is our God today. Anybody believe that? I believe he's just as big and strong today as he was then. And we want to see his power and his glory released in our lives. So I want to help you with this before I begin to read the scripture. I want everybody to get this. This is so important. I believe the Holy Spirit is targeting Daniel for, for our truth, for our study as we're going through this fast. I believe he's doing that because of the mindset and the faith and the impact that he had 
on that godless Babylon. What, I want you to get this. Daniel's mindset that enabled him to be blessed, favored, and lead in an ungodly culture is the very thing you and I need to have right now. I, I want to help us with something. You know, we, this, this coronavirus thing is getting old. Can somebody say amen to that? Getting a little old, isn't it? Uh, I, 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 I wear my mask in. I wear my mask out. I've had my mask on down there during worship. So although it's not on, I've had it on. I do my thing. We do what we're supposed to do. And we're going to continue to do that because I want you to be healthy. I want you to be safe. But I want to tell you something. I'm tired of wearing that mask, aren't you? I'm tired of walking up to people in church and we don't know how to greet each other. Come on, isn't it kind of funny? I call it the Corona two-step. What is it? We don't, we shake our hand or a bump or a fist, we, you know, we don't hug you, don't hug. I mean, I hope, you know, if you could put some music to it, you could almost, you know, dance with that. And so, you know, we're, I'm tired of that. Do I shake? Do I bump? Do I fist? Do I hug? Do I smile? Do I wave? Air high five? It's getting old. You know, we're, we're going through this thing. And let me tell you what, what we have to be very careful about. As you walk through something like this that extends, if we're not very careful, just by attrition, not by intention, but by attrition, we kind of let down our faith begins to sag a little bit. Our zeal begins to sag a little bit. We have a lot of convenient excuses, don't we? Well, you know, I, I would witness to that person at work, but, you know, uh, we got the social distancing thing. You know, I would have more joy, but, you know, we got the coronavirus. I would go to church more often, but, you know, I don't know who's going in that door. Uh, you know, blah, blah. We have a lot of reasons to be hesitant right now. Are you with me? But Daniel's mindset in this Babylonian culture foreign to him Demonic religion, strange gods, didn't speak the language, didn't understand the customs, didn't know what their food was. This young man so distinguished himself that in Babylon, and you and I need this mindset, we're not in a, in a mindset of retreating, hiding, giving up, growing weak. Everybody with me? Okay, that section was. Everybody with me? That's pretty good. We'll get there. Okay. So what have we believe right now in this moment in 2021, God wants to bless you and bless his church. God wants to give favor to you and give favor to this church and favor to his family. God wants you to be a leader, to be influential, to have an impact on your job, in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, on your, your sporting team. Do you understand? Our mindset is not we're waiting until. Our mindset is not we're giving up. Our mindset is not we can't make it. Our mindset is we are blessed of the Lord, favored of the Lord, and called into the kingdom for such a time as this. We're going to make a difference in our life right now. That's why we're studying Daniel. He illustrates that so powerfully, and that's where we want to be. Now, remember what I told us, okay? As we go into 2021, I gave you three connected statements. I want you to remember these. How do we go into 2021 after 2020? This is how we do it. We're going to walk in what we know. I'm going to hold on to what I learned. We know some things. How many know God is good? How many of you know God is faithful? How many of you know God answers prayer? How many of you know God never fails, okay? So we're going to walk in what we know while we're in the midst of what we don't know. Have you ever been in a place where you say, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening here. But I'm going to walk in what I know while I'm in the midst of what I don't know. Why? Because I'm moving to what God already knows. He's ahead of us. How many? So let's say that again. Got it? I'm going to walk in what I know while I'm in the midst of what I don't know. 
while I'm moving to what God already knows. So that's our mindset as we begin this year. That's, that's directions God's given us and we're moving. So, so I want to encourage you with an insight that, that God gave me, a connection. Uh, as I was just studying some more, praying and reading and digging into to Daniel, I want to go to call this one verse to our attention. Daniel chapter 1. And verse number eight. I'm going to show you something here. I believe it's a divine connection. There was, a, there was something said about Daniel in Daniel 1.8 that reminded me and connected me to one of the most radical statements Jesus ever made in the, during his ministry in the gospel. Something I found digging for some gold in Daniel 1.8 connected us to one of the most radical statements Jesus ever made. It's, it's, it's powerful. So let's look at Daniel 1.8. We know the circumstances. We know what Daniel was facing. But Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official to show uh, permission not to defile himself in this way. Let me read it again. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel resolved. One translation says Daniel purposed. Another translation says Daniel determined in his heart. Powerful things. Now, you know why? Was it, why did he not want to eat the king's food? Well, in Babylon, all the food that came to the king's table had first been sacrificed and offered to a demonic idol. And Daniel says, look, I'm a believer in the most high God. I can't participate in this. I'm not going to engage in demon worship. Although everyone else is, although people say, hey, it's just food. He said, it violates my faith. And Daniel resolved. That word resolve is a strong word. I began to do a little study on it in the original Hebrew language. I want you to get this. It, it means to, to, to resolve, to determine, means to put in place. It means to set your feet. It means to take hold of. And then when I read this, I thought, wow. Now, here's a word that, that we need to get comfortable with today. I'm about to give you a word that, that, that may be foreign to you or maybe you only have a negative connotation. But it gives us an insight to what's going on around us in the spiritual world. Listen to this. This resolve means to lay violent hands upon. Violent grip. In other words, how forceful Daniel's decision was. That word violent jumped out at me. Daniel grabbed his resolve. Daniel stood before his God in the midst of a tough circumstances and with a violent grasp said, I'm going to serve my God. I'm going to hold on to this. That word violent grabbed my attention. Now, as Christians, we probably think, oh, can, can we be violent? Not physically. Not verbally, but we must learn the power that God releases when his people pray and fast in this spiritual arena. Now, what was the statement that reminded me of? So Daniel took a violent grip on his resolve. In other words, forceful, dynamic. I want you to look in Matthew 11, <clears throat> 11 and 12, and we find that same word used again. This is this radical statement. Look at this with me. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now, how would you like that to be said about you by Jesus? John was the last of the old covenant prophets. 
He was the forerunner of Jesus. Now you think of all the mighty men and women in the Old Testament of Elijah and Elisha, of Daniel and David and, and Jeremiah and on and on it goes, Nehemiah, Abraham, Moses. But Jesus said, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But then this, this is the radical statement. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I want you to make sure you understand that. Every born-again believer is in the kingdom of heaven. Every one of us that called Jesus our Savior is included in this statement. So Jesus on one hand says about John the Baptist, said, ask him about John the Baptist. He said, I'll tell you about John the Baptist, no one greater. Yet the least of these, the least of these is greater than he. And then he connects it. Look at this verse. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. What does that mean? In other words, he says from the day of John the Baptist to now, Satan has violently opposed everything God wants to do. That when Jesus came to be our Savior and free us and deliver us and heal us and restore us every step of the way, Satan tried to fight that. There was a spiritual warfare that was going on. So from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. So what does that second part mean? Let's look at the Amplified Translation in uh, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Amplified Translation. This will help us a little bit. There, there's, there's two forces working here. Stay with me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to apply this. Truly I tell you among those, verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. You understand that. We're talking about spiritual warfare. There has been a clash. Satan doesn't want the kingdom of God to come to earth. He doesn't want you saved, your family saved. He doesn't want you delivered, healed, blessed, and living for God. So he has opposed it. But look at this. And violent men seize it by force. Now, we might think, what, what does that mean? Here's the explanation, all right? What do they do? As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Okay, so what are we saying? Let me break it down. From the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. The enemy has done everything he can to stop us. But he says... Violent men, men like Daniel, not mean men, not ugly men, not frightening men, but men with a determined, forceful grip, take hold of God's kingdom. So what are we finding? We're saying, Daniel, how did that man live for God like he did? How did that man stand for God? How are we impacted today, centuries and centuries, over a thousand years later from his life? And we're praying and fasting because his resolve, I want you to get this phrase, his resolve for God was so real and genuine, you could call it violent, forceful, taking a grip of. Now, who was it violent toward? Listen, it was violent towards everything opposing him. I want to encourage you today. Your decision to serve God becomes a violent weapon against what Satan wants to do against your life. How many are ready for Satan to be turned back by the violent force of the people of God saying, I'm going to serve for you. I'm going to serve my God. That's what we're reading. That's what we're seeing. There was a connection. There was something. One translation, I like this one. It's the original NIV says, from the time of John the Baptist, listen, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. 
I love that. Although the enemy has stood against it, it's made progress steadily. How many can say amen to that? Just because he's against us doesn't mean that he can stop us. Just because he has strategy doesn't mean we're unaware. From the time of John the Baptist to now, the kingdom of God, what Jesus is doing, has been forcefully advancing. And this is what we hear. And forceful men and women take hold of it. Church family, I want to tell you something today. In this moment in time, in this culture we're living in, in this divided nation, in this pandemic nation, in this polarized nation, in this controversial nation we are living in today, you and I are being called by God to make a resolve, to take forceful grip of our love for God and say, I am going to rise above these other things and I'm going to live for God. I am in Babylon, but I am not of Babylon. I am living in this culture, but I'm not of this culture. I am not here to become this culture. I am here to change this nation for the glory of God. It is a violent slap in the face of Satan when you resolve to serve the Lord. You say, Pastor, I don't, man, look, I'm trying to just make it through the next day. I'm trying to live my faith out. I don't know about violence and force and power. My friend, here's, the, here's what I want you to see. We're not the source of the power or the force. Our obedience just releases it into the moment. I want you to know you're not powerless. Tell somebody next to you, you're not powerless. There, there's a strength that works inside of you. Let me, let me show you something encouraging. This resolve, this taking hold, this gripping, and, and, and with everything you say, I'm going to serve God. Uh, forceful men take hold of it. This word's translated several times in the Bible, that same word, to take hold of. This word's translated to snatch away. To snatch away. I want you to think of a uh, of a parent standing there with, with their child uh, on the curb at a busy intersection. And the little child's uh, not paying attention. And it's, you know how children, they're not aware of their circumstances and starts to run into the street. And what does that parent do? You, you, it's no time for niceties. You understand what I'm saying? It's no time to say, would you please not go out in the street right now? I mean, the kids run in and the cars are coming. What do you do? You grab whatever you can grab hold of. You grab anything you can grab hold of. I, I had an incident that, that, that I did once and never repeated. Uh, my brother is eight years younger than me, and I, I had a motorcycle, and I don't know what came over me that day. I, you know, just, you know, what, I don't know. But my mom's outside, and, and I got my little brother sitting on the front of me in my motorcycle, and he's probably five. And so uh, I said, Mom, watch this. Boom, I popped the wheelie. Like, you shouldn't show your mom those things like that. So that was scary enough. So I popped the wheelie, and what I wasn't thinking about was that extra weight of my brother shoved me back. And so when, when, when I popped the wheelie and, and, and he fell back on my chest, well, <laughs> the bike started doing that. And I was falling off the back of the bike. My life passed in front of my eyes. I said, if I... If my brother gets hurt in front of my mother and I just said, hey, watch this, I'll have to live somewhere else. I, I can't come home. So as I'm falling off, the motorcycle's over. I wasn't, it was going. As I'm falling off, I had one shot and I grabbed for my brother. I didn't care if I got his hair, his ear, his nose, his arm. You understand what I'm saying? If I tore the shirt off his back, I had one shot. I better grab my brother or, or it's over with for me. I'm going to die at 13 or 14 years of age. 
So I'm falling off, and I snatched my brother. I grabbed him. I got his collar, and I jerked him like this. And, and while I fell, he fell on me, so it's all was well. But that's the, that's the thing. There's this moment. I want you to see. The Bible says that when you make a resolve, are you with me, church? When you make a resolve, this same word, this violent grip, this forceful grab is happening, listen to me, while you're praying and fasting. There's this moment where God anoints you and authorizes you to reach into a situation that looks hopeless and helpless and literally grab your prodigal son or daughter by the authority of the name of Jesus and snatch them right out of the plan of destruction the devil had for them. They're about to run into the street, and we're not doing style points now. It's a matter of sudden grab them and pull them out. I want you to understand it's not physical, it's spiritual. It is a resolve. And when you and I begin to pray and fast, <clears throat> that's the same resolve Daniel had. That's the same moment. Do you understand that just the decision to pray and fast positions you before God like Daniel? It's a resolve statement. And when you pray and fast, heaven begins to war against your enemies. Heaven begins to violently oppose the devil. Let me help you understand this. You see, sometimes we think we get tired. What you need to remember is sometimes the devil gets tired. Sometimes the power of God wears him out in a moment. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized by John in water. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He comes up out of the water, and the Bible says he's led into the wilderness. And for 40 days, what does he do? Fast. He doesn't eat anything. The devil comes to tempt him during those 40 days. And at some point we read, after the third time, Jesus said, it is written. The Bible says it this way. And the devil left him for a more opportune time. You know how that, what, what that is in common language? That means that he had worn the devil out, that he had had all of that he wanted, that the sword of the Spirit had hacked him up enough where he said, i got to go take a break. Here's the plan. If you and I keep holding on, the devil's going to have to let go. And when he takes a break, we snatch that victory out of his hands. We pull that prodigal son and daughter out of that moment. We grab that defeat and turn it back around. There is a resolve that you and I have where we just say, I'm going to grab hold of my commitment to God and I'm not going to let this thing go. Remember in Joshua, the first chapter, God spoke to Joshua and said, you're going to take these people where no one's taken them. They've gone around in the desert 40 years, and now it's your turn to go in. How many want to go in the promised land? How many want to get your answer to your prayer and not just walk around and talk about it? He told him three times, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Remember, I taught you this on Father's Day last year. Strong and courageous means this. Take hold and refuse to let go. Strong means my grip. Courageous means I'm not letting go of it. You know what Daniel was? He was strong and courageous. You know who you are as a child of God, praying and fasting? You're strong and courageous. You're taking a grip. It's, the, it's, it's force suddenly exercised. It's when it goes. I love that word, snatch away. You know where this word is used? It's when God says, okay, it's time. Uh, when Philip 
was walking along in Acts 8 witnessing to the Ethiopian eunuch and had told him about the things of God and gotten into the chariot with them. And the Bible says all of a sudden Philip was gone. And God put him down somewhere else. You know, it's that same word right here. God snatched him up out of that moment and put him in another one. How many of you know what the rapture is? You know what the rapture is? How many know what the rapture is? That's when the Lord comes back and the, those that are alive and well are caught up in the air. How many plan to, I, I, how many would like to go in the rapture? I, I like the rapture. That's the first class way to go to heaven. Now, until the rapture, if we pass away, we're going to go by death. That's okay. Death's been defeated. When, when, and, and although I know it makes some good old country Christmas, uh, Christian songs. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, when you die, you don't cross the cold waters of the Jordan. <laughs> you don't go through a dark tunnel. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. When a believer dies, they breathe one breath on earth and the next breath they're standing in the presence of Almighty God. There's no fright. There's no scare. There's no transport. There's no long haul. I hear these people, I died and I saw a dark tunnel and the light was coming. I said, you better get out of that tunnel because <laughs> what you saw is a train. It's about to, you, you don't want that. To be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Okay. But the rapture, there's a day coming, God says, when he's looked at this evolving of mankind. When we reach the place where he says, that's enough, I'm coming back. And the word he uses for that, I love this, for rapture, for catching away, is the same word about taking that grip and holding on. God says he's just going to reach down and snatch us right off this planet. He's going to pull us right out of this thing. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I, I don't know when it's happening. It's going to happen. It could happen today. Did you know that? The rapture could happen today. Everything that must be done for the rapture has happened. He could come right now. And, and I'm going to tell you, uh, my prayer is that this place would be empty. <laughs> I hope there's nobody here left around to tell people what happened. We're all supposed to go. Here's the deal. This power of God to reach in and override everything going on in a moment resides within the decision of a believer who resolves to serve the Lord. Resides in that. Let me help you with something. I want to go back to Matthew 11, 11. I, I want you to see something here. There's some really, really good news for every one of us because I know how the devil works with his condemnation and his lies and his accusation. I want to show you something. I want you to see this again. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, watch this, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I want you to see this. Do you understand? The Bible says those that are born again, those of us in the kingdom of heaven, serving God, knowing that heaven is our home someday, living for him now on this earth, that it doesn't matter where you think you are in, the, in this line of status. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're a new Christian or an older Christian or a weak Christian or a strong Christian. The good news is, no matter who you are and where you are, if you're in the kingdom, you have the right to pray, to represent God. It doesn't matter if somebody says, you're the least of these, you're the smallest of these, you're the weakest of these. I'm going to tell you, according to what Jesus said, the least, the weakest, the youngest, the smallest, the newest believer has an authority living for God that surpasses the greatest prophet that was in the old covenant. Can anybody understand what I just said? So from now on, this is what God is saying to you. He wants to reverse your mindset. 
He wants you to understand. Stop looking at yourself and saying, I don't measure up. And start looking at God and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The least of these. Are you hearing me? The least of these. Are you hearing online? So there is no one left out. You, the, the devil loves to say to you, you know, you don't have enough faith. Come on, has he ever said that? Look at all the things you did in the past. You have no right in the kingdom. Well, according to Jesus, if you're in the kingdom, the devil doesn't have any right over you. The least of these are in a position to call on the name of the Lord, to pray and fast and snatch the, the, the victories out of the hands of the devil. The least of these. Do you know why that works? You have to understand authority. It's not your power, and it's not my power. Why does that work? How does that happen? Because when we come to Jesus, when we give our lives to Jesus, he accepts us as sons and daughters, and we have the right, the authority to use his name. All we do is represent him. You don't earn it. You don't pay for it. Nobody else can do it. When you pray in his name, As a child of God, all the authority of heaven is released inside your life. God goes to work. Look at this with me in John chapter 1 and verse number 12. We find this, John 1, 12. God uses this term. He describes it here. Yet to all who did receive him. How many have received Jesus in the room? How about you online? How many received Jesus? To those who believed in his name, look at this, he gave the right One translation says power, but it's the wrong word. It's authority. He gave the right to become children of God. You've been given a right. You've been given authority. You've been given a position in Christ to pray and use his name. We've been put in a position by God that if we're in the least of the kingdom, it's not what we've done, it's what he's done. Is everybody with me today? We don't want to stay the least. We want to grow in our love, but it's him. Let, let, let me show you how this works. Let's, let's go to uh, a passage here in Matthew. I want you to look with me. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Luke 10, 17. Go there with me. Now, now watch this. Maybe this will help you. There were 72 followers, 12 of his disciples and 60 more. Jesus gathered around him. This was brand new. It never had happened before. He said, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you my authority. I want you to go out and use this. Now, church, let's, let's think about those. We, I don't know who the other 60 were, but the 12 disciples, apostles, these guys kind of had a rough start. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Peter, the night Jesus was uh, arrested, was cursing in the garden outside the high priest's home at a little servant girl. Not exactly spiritual pedigree, okay? He denied Jesus three times. Matthew, the tax collector, had made all his money lying and cheating before he came to Jesus. James and John, the two brothers, boy, if they preached and nobody answered the altar call, you should be glad they're not up here today. If if they preached and nobody answered the altar call, they said, Lord, call fire from heaven down and burn that town to the ground. I mean, my Lord. Called them the sons of thunder. So if you look at these people that Jesus authorized, do you understand? It wasn't because they earned it. It wasn't because he found the best. He said, if you're the least of these, if you receive me, if you believe in my name, if you've given your life to me, I'm going to give you authority when you pray, authority in the spirit, authority to represent me, 
authority to agree that my will is going to be done when you pray. So let's see what happens. The 72 returned with what? Joy. And said, Lord, even the demons submit to us when? In your name. You understand this authority? We're talking about a spiritual battle. That's why we read about Daniel. And it said, he laid, laid hands on his resolve, violently grabbed, snatched away his faith from the culture of that day. That it began to be a spiritual principle. That as you and I pray and fast and resolve to serve the Lord, it's firing weapons against the enemy who is plotting against you. These men came back and said, Lord, we just use your name and demons leave us alone. Verse 18. He said, watch this. Jesus said, this is the answer. They're saying, how did that happen? Where, Where did that authority come from? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know what they're referring to? When he was still Lucifer, the archangel, and he decided he was going to take the throne of God. You read about it in Revelation. There was a rebellion in heaven, and Lucifer said, I'm taking God's place. Go back to verse 18. He said, I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to take your place. And, and the Bible says there was a war in the heavens, but not like we know a war. Because you know how long that war lasted? When Satan decided he was going to take the throne of God, he said he fell like lightning. Have you ever seen lightning in the sky? Have you ever seen how fast that happens? You know how long Satan lasted trying to overthrow the throne of God? Just like that. You know how long the authority of the devil lasts in the presence of God? Just like that. You know what Jesus said? The reason you have authority is I've already seen Satan fall. I've already seen him plummet to the ground. I saw him try to take the throne of Father God, and I saw him defeated, and he's under my feet. And when you pray in my name and live in my name and resolve to follow me, the devil that God defeated is underneath you, and you have authority, and he doesn't want you to know about it. He said, we have authority. Demons have to stand back. Verse 19. Let's go to it now. Then he says, I've given you what? You see that? They said, Jesus, demons trembled. Demons stopped. Why? He said, Satan's been defeated. Now what? I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you authority to do what? Trample on snakes and scorpions. Overcome all the power. Overcome what? The power of the enemy. Nothing's going to harm you. In verse 20, he said, but let me remind you of this. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He said, the greatest thing that ever happened to you is that you belong to me, that you're born again, that your name's written in heaven. He said, don't get it mixed up. The great thing is not demons submit to you. The great thing is because your name's in heaven, you have my authority over those demons. You have authority to do the work of God. I can't use his name to do the will of George Sawyer. I can't use his name to do the will of some political party or some earthly endeavor. But when I use his name to fulfill the will of God, when I use his name to pray for my family, when I use his name to pray for you when I use his name to make a resolve to serve God there is a violent push of God against the enemy who's been standing against us and we begin forcefully advancing in his name because he's the great God no I left some time because I wanted to do something intentionally I want to call the worship team out and I want you to stand with me we're not dismissed we need to do some things right now come on and stand come on and stand I I, I purposefully have targeted a moment here for you and I I've stopped early on my preaching. Don't leave. You'll mess up children's service. Just stay here. Guys, I'm concerned that we come to church and hear a message and don't apply the message. 
The Bible says it's not knowing the word, it's doing the word that makes us stand strong in the things of God, right? It's the doers of the word. I want to call us to this moment. I want to bring us to this moment, and, and, and I want us to have an opportunity to say to God, Father, I understand what you're saying to me. I recognize the incredible power. We can even use the word violent, this, this violent force that comes against Satan when I take a grip on the things of God. I want, to, I want you to listen to me. Some things need to shift in the way we pray, in the way we talk, in the way we think. Is everybody with me right now? We're going to deal with this right now as we pray and worship. Some things need to change. I want you to listen to me. I want you to stop praying like you're a beggar. I want you to stop begging when you pray. How many hear what I'm saying? You're not a beggar. You're a child of God. You represent his kingdom. There's authority in your life. You don't have to beg and plead. Jesus paid the price. Are you with me? We developed some religious patterns and mindsets that need to be broken. That kind of mindset's not going to get you through what you're facing right now. That mindset, listen, it's not arrogant. It's not eyes on me. It's eyes on him. Are you with me? To stop begging, oh, God, please, would you please, God, come on, stop that. God's already stepped up, and Jesus has already paid the price. You need to begin to pray with authority now. No more begging. Are you with me? Stop begging. Stop begging. Start praying with authority. Stop doing this thing. I, I, I saw this in the first service while we were praying. Like the Lord showed me something of people praying like this. All the prayers are like this. God, I don't belong. God, I'm not worthy. God, you're probably not going to hear me. God, I'm going to crawl in your presence. Lift your head up. You're a child of God. Look the Father in the face. He loves you. He's proud of you. He wants you to come close to him right now. We need to change some things. Are you with me? We need to shift some things. We, we, we've, we've devolved into a prayer life of begging and whining, crying and complaining. Listen, if we need to cry, cry. It's okay to cry, right? It, you know, I, I was praying one day and just really complaining, and the Holy Spirit said, when you get through, you're going to pray? I thought, I thought I was. I thought I was. That's what he told me. When you get through, let's, you, are you going to pray? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and, and he loves you enough to let you whine and complain, but would you pray? That's not praying. That's whining. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help us get someplace. We need some shifting. Listen to me. If we're going to take hold of some things, I, I, I can't do two things at one time. Look at this. I, I, I can't. If I want to hold on to something, I'm going to take a strong, forceful, violent grip on this Bible. I can't do this and hold something else right now. So there may be some things you're holding on to you need to let go of so you can take hold of what you need to take hold of. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you to let go of while we're worshiping here. This is going to be an altar moment, all right? It's going to be altar time. It's going to be powerful. I want to encourage you in this moment. We're anointed to do this right now. We're authorized to do it. I want you to let go of all those things that you're holding on that you're unforgiving about right now. I want you to hold on to those things that cause you to feel inferior and insecure. All the things you've rehearsed. You know, everybody that's depressed has a depressed partner. What do you mean? You got somebody else depressed and y'all talk together about how depressed you are. Depression always has a friend. You need to let go of some things. You need to let go of some things. I'm, I'm just telling you what the Lord's put on my heart. I can't hold on to depression and hold on to breakthrough at the same time. I can't hold on to insecurity and hold on to faith at the same time. 
Are you with me? I can't hold on to the person that puts me down every day and hold on to the God who lifts me up every day and get to the same place. Listen, I'm not teaching theory. There is a forceful, violent release of the kingdom of God that desperately needs to be done today. We, we have to stop looking at, at all the enemies against us and look at the God who is for us. Our spiritual mindset has to change. You have to stop saying, I could if, and just do it. I will then, and just do it. Someday has to be today. My family is going to be saved. I am delivered. I am healed. I am rescued. Anybody with me today? So, Pastor, I don't feel that way. I'm not talking about your feelings. I'm talking about your faith in the God who said the least of these, the newest of these, the youngest of these, the least of these. I'm ready to go with you, okay? So right now, I want us to build an altar as we worship. I want you to start letting go of some things right now. Come on, be brave and courageous. And I want you to take hold of what God says. We need to change our prayer life. We need to understand. I believe this next week, if we'll do this, there are some encounters God has already deposited for you in this next week of prayer and fasting. He has something ready. We've got to let go and hold on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.